listen to these scriptures, I'd like to reflect a minute with you on, first of all, uh, the, the first, or the gospel, which is Zacchaeus, what we just heard. Because this, this gospel is very powerful. As it said, God came to be with us. And that's because he's not personally in need of anything. God has everything he needs to be happy. He's sufficient in himself. But he created us out of the abundance of his love. Love cannot just be stagnant or stale. Love is not sterile. Love is fruitful. You are God's beloved sons and daughters. We are all children. We're fruit of the love of Christ for his church. That's what it means to be baptized, to be beloved sons and daughters, to experience the kingdom of God, to taste it, to experience it. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was hungry for more. He wasn't satisfied with his life of extortion. He was trying to find happiness in many ways. And we all try to do that. So we can all relate to Zacchaeus. But we try to find happiness in ways other than maybe the way God's calling us, right? And that's what sin is. It's living contrary to God's design and plan for us. So if you've ever noticed, the truth is simultaneously attractive or enamoring or fascinating. And at the same time, irritating. The truth fascinates and irritates. And that's all of us, I'm sure, could relate. When Zacchaeus was up in that tree, do you think he really wanted Jesus to stop and look at him? He probably was like, again, oh crap, I'm in trouble. He knew he got caught. He knew he was caught. So he wasn't probably expecting Christ to look up and then say, hey, I want to come to your house and eat. But that's what happened. And so that truth that Zacchaeus experienced, truth is not something, truth is someone. Remember that. Truth is not some abstract idea. Truth is someone. Truth is the person of Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. And that means he's going to at times fascinate us and at other times irritate us. John the Baptist. Look at Herod. Herod wanted to listen to John the Baptist because he was fascinated with the message. But at the same time, he had John the Baptist decapitated. His head was lopped off because basically he was convicting him of his sin. You can't take the wife of your brother. You can't do that, Herod. And he liked to hear John, but he also didn't like to be convicted. And so sometimes, for us all here, the truth can be like peroxide in a wound. It burns. Like when you come out of a movie theater, you're used to the darkness. You come out of a movie theater into a bright sunny day, your eyes hurt. The truth sometimes stings, it hurts, and it's not meant to be something that we just all the time come to church to have our ears tickled. We're not here to just be together and fellowship and sing a few songs and then go back out to a same old, same old ways. You're here, if you're here, 
because you're really serious about this journey with Jesus, you want to really walk it out with the Lord, you want that personal relationship, then you're here because you want more like Zacchaeus. You're here because you're willing to endure that burning as the peroxide or the truth touches your heart. You're willing to experience on a personal level, where am I as living out my baptismal identity? How am I living as a beloved son or beloved daughter of God? What is my mission? What is our mission? Our mission is to sanctify the world. To go out into the world and make it holy. The church is not a building. This, is not, this building is not the church. The church is you. You and I, we are the church. The body of Christ. The mystical body of Christ. Paul says, do you not know you're members of the body of Christ? Do you not know that you're temples of the Holy Spirit? Think about this. So, what I'd like you to think about again is this church that we are a part of will heal us and comfort us. It will challenge us. It will call us into greater holiness. And your mission and my mission is to be Jesus in the world. And that means at times you and I are going to fascinate people and at times you and I are going to irritate people. A good friend doesn't tell people always what they want to hear. A good friend tells people what they need to hear. A good parent, a good coach, a good teacher, a good priest, a good shepherd, a good bishop, a good pope. We tell you not what you always want to hear, but what you need to hear. Zacchaeus needed to hear the truth. And it happened when he encountered Jesus. So you and I are Zacchaeus. We try to climb our tree. We want to see, but we don't want to get too close. Because if we get too close, we might have to change. We all know what change does. We don't like change. I bet you all sit in similar pews here, don't you? You know, you, this is like my real estate. Don't touch my real estate, you know. This pew is where my butt sits. No one else sits there. Right? We, we don't like change. But this church is not a church. Jesus shook things up. He rocked the boat. He's not a fan of mediocrity. And neither should we be if we're serious about our faith. And so the church is not a place, again, where we just come to have our ears tickled, some social organization. But you have a mission, church. We have a mission. We have a mission. Now listen. The Catholic Church, the place we come to celebrate our faith here, is where we come to receive help, to receive salvation. You want to be saved? Do you want to be saved? We want to be saved. Are you serious about this? Do you want to be saved? This church is here not because it's looking for fans. We don't need more fans. We don't want fans. Jesus isn't a guy to say, hey, I want a bunch of fans to follow me around. He wasn't about gathering fans. He was about friendship. Real friends. Real friendship. And that means, again... That you're going to at times not be entertained. That you're going to be at times struggling with Jesus. You're going to wrestle with God. You're going to want to wrestle with the Lord. And so the Lord, you see, gave us a church. Because here's the danger. Listen, this is important. The danger is, is when we try to live our faith out by ourselves... You know, I don't need to go to church. I can pray at home. I can pray to God anywhere. Sure you can. But are you going to challenge yourself? 
you probably won't challenge yourself as well when you're by yourself. So God's saying to you and I, if you don't have the church, what's going to happen is you're going to create your own little Jesus. A Jesus that never disagrees with you. And that's very dangerous. Because Paul says in the scriptures, others are preaching a Jesus that is not Jesus. We can actually start to create our own little Jesus in a box, if you will. We want Jesus this time and that time. We can start to approach the church in our faith as a cafeteria-style approach, meaning I like this about my church, this, this, and this, but I don't like this, this, and this. Therefore, I'm only going to chew on my Doritos, my popcorn, and, you know, my cheesecakes, but I'm not going to embrace my green beans and mashed potatoes and stuff over here. We all like our sweets. We like to feel good. That's not a bad thing. But if we're serious about being followers of Christ, at times, it's not going to be easy, okay? So I want you to think about this. As a preacher, a spiritual father, a speaker of the truth, I pray in genuine love to communicate to you these truths of our faith. Like a good parent, a true shepherd, a true shepherd puts... The welfare of his people's souls, his spiritual children, ahead of his reputation, popularity, and comfort. You and your souls, my soul, it should be put ahead of any comfort, reputation, and anything and the like. So I want you to think about this. The devil's not going to come up to most of you and say, hey, reject Jesus. Most of you are going to be like, I'm not going to reject Jesus. I love Jesus, and I want to grow in my faith. I want to walk. You wouldn't be here at church this morning if you just said, I'm going to reject Jesus. Lucifer, the bare angel of light, deceiver. He's created, he used subtleties, subtlety in words, verbal engineering, clever ways to emphasize compassion, love, while he introduces at the same time sin and behaviors that actually are contrary to the heart of Jesus. He's not stupid. He's the angel of light. The devil's way smarter than us, by the way. He's an angel, okay? So he uses terms like Catholics for choice. That sounds good. Choice is a good thing, right? Everyone would be here for choice, but what are you choosing? I'm for choice too, but I can choose to shoot you or I can choose to love you. I'm for choice. Once a choice is made, responsibility needs to be taken. Once a baby's present, the only choice that Christ would want us to make is to tend to and care for and nurture the life that he's given us as an amazing gift. So the choice you make, right? Love equals love. How many of us have heard that? Love equals love. Love is a good thing. Two people can marry each other. There shouldn't be any problem with that. Why would the church not let two people get married to love each other? There's a difference between spousal love and just love as good friends. You can love someone of the same sex in amazing ways and beautiful ways. But spousal love involves the complementarity of the body, capacity to become one flesh by nature, by design, ordered toward the family and the holy upbringing of God's church and his people and the family. That's the church's teaching. That's Jesus. So what I'm inviting you to think about is the devil... You know, Zacchaeus was looking for happiness, as we are. But we can 
choose behaviors and lifestyles that go against the truth, against Christ. And we can even get comfortable by making up our own Jesus who doesn't disagree with us. And so you're here not because you want to have your ears tickled. I'm believing as a priest that you're here because you really want to engage in the spiritual battle. You want to feel the burn a little today. You want to experience what God wants you to experience today as, as his beloved sons and daughters. The devil is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Remember that. He's a devil, is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He comes to us. Who, who here has been, had their arm ripped off by a sheep? Probably no one, right? You don't hear of sheeps in the newspaper biting people and ripping their arms off. That's why Jesus came as a sheep, to get close to us. We as kids, like, we get close to the sheep, like to pet the sheep, right? The devil has to clothe himself in sheep's clothing to get close to us before he devours the life of God out of our souls by causing us to choose, again, a lifestyle or behavior that is sinful. So with all that in mind, I'm going to talk a little today about this election that we're coming up on. I want to reflect with you a bit about the election. And we as a church, listen... This is where the practice of our faith meets our civil duty. What is the mission of the church? Sanctify, make holy the world we live in. You and I are called to make holy the world we live in. Starting right here. Starts right here. I can't make you holy if I'm not wrestling with my own sin. Right? So God's calling us as a church to practice our faith in the civil sphere. In the light of our church's teaching. So as we establish first, there's no political party that's ever really truly uh, been perfectly aligned with biblical principles, teachings of the Christian or Catholic faith. There's never been a party that's been perfectly aligned. And today, obviously, we're the farthest from that, right? With our current candidates. So we're in a very challenging place. But that doesn't mean that we just throw in the towel and say, oh, I'm going to vote for whoever. Because there is an informed conscience. There's a hierarchy of evils that we need to examine when we're making a vote. You don't just vote for people because you like them or don't. You vote for people because they have certain principles that they're applying or saying they're going to apply. And this is where I'd like to talk with you a bit. First of all, again, we need to be informed. And we can legitimately disagree as Catholics on certain things. And I'm going to talk first about a few things we can legitimately disagree on and still be in good standing with Christ and his church, okay? First thing, ways you can, you can disagree with the Pope, the bishops, the priests, the whole church on this. It's up to you. The best way to address racial injustice. It's a problem. How do we address it? Some are going to agree it's this way. Some are going to agree it's that way. Some are going to agree other ways. It's, 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 it's a struggle, but we need to agree that, okay, the problem is it needs to be addressed. How we address it might be differing among us. Education, economy, immigration, health care. These are all things that are problems that need to be worked on and addressed. But you can legitimately disagree with how the bishop or the pope suggests we do that or how the church suggests or how, for that matter, anyone suggests, okay? And you can still be in good standing with the church. But there are other issues. This is important. There are other issues. We need to learn how to think. There are other issues that are called intrinsic evils. Do you understand that? That means that under no condition, no circumstance, can you promote or enable these particular choices. 
under any circumstance. They are intrinsically evil. A rape. Rape. Who here would say, in some circumstances, rape should be allowed? No one would say that. That's an intrinsic evil. Abortion. Under some circumstances, abortion should be allowed. Abortion is not a political term. It's the heartbeat of a real person. We're not arguing over political things. We're arguing over, this is a human person, a very vulnerable human person that's asking us to care for them. That God has created in His image and likeness with an eternal destiny and a plan given to them to bring out into the world an amazing gift and grace. Okay? So think about that. Another issue, you know... uh, such as these, again, abortion, uh, rape, these are, these are intrinsic evils, just so you think about and know that. But for a moment, I want to set those aside, and I want to talk about areas where candidates and parties are agreeing and disagreeing. Affirmative action. Does anyone know what affirmative action is? Affirmative action is a program that aims to eliminate what? Eliminate dis- perceived disadvantages for minorities when competing to entrance into college, okay? One party says affirmative action is good, it's going to balance our multiracial social society. Another party says it's not good because it's going to take away from students that are qualified that should be in the classroom. There's not going to be room for them. So one says it's a matter of justice, one says it's a matter of injustice. Okay, agree or disagree, however you stand on that, that's not an intrinsic evil that needs to be necessarily, it needs to be dealt with, but in a way that I guess we best work out together. Now let's suppose a candidate in a party, one of the parties or one of the candidates or parties say that if you are Asian or Hispanic or if you are from another uh, uh, background or if you're just a, a normal person here in the pew and you get in the way of my attaining my educational requirements, you can eliminate the life of that person. So you can eliminate the life of a person if they get in the way of your educational requirements. Who here would vote for that person? Probably none of us, right? No one in their right mind that wants to get voted would say, or voted for, would say such a thing, right? Now, immigration. It's another thing here. One party says they want little restrictions, another party say they want more restrictions. There's different, across the board, different parties, candidates want different things, right? Okay, so... Affirmative action, immigration, these are not matters of intrinsic evil, okay? They're important, but they're not at the top of the list, okay? Now, suppose a candidate or a party said that, hey, if you're Hispanic or Asian and you want to immigrate and you're getting in the way of my career choices and you are taking my jobs from you, you're allowed to eliminate the life of that person. Nobody would vote for that person. I would hope not, right? Okay, thank God we don't have any candidates or parties saying that in a public fashion. But nobody in their right mind again would say such a thing. And nobody, you know, would hopefully want to eliminate life for educational interest or economic reasons. Okay, so in the, part, in, in the candidates that we have before us right now, there is candidates who will sanction the life sanction the killing, the taking of a life of blacks, Hispanics, whites, Americans, across the board, okay? All different groups of people's cultures and races. They sanction the killing of these people 
for personal, economic, and educational interest. Do you know why? There was one condition that has to be there for you and I to take the life of that person. They have to still be in the womb. If you're in the womb, you can take the life of that person for educational interest or economic reasons, okay? Now, I don't know if you know this, but today, as I'm talking here, 3,000 babies will be killed today in our nation. Over 3,000. 3,000 babies will be killed today in our country. Not fun to hear. It's peroxide. It burns, doesn't it? It's not a fun fact. It's not something that we're proud of. It's not something that we should be defending. The destruction of human life. Think about it. More than half of those babies are black babies. More than half are black babies. Now think about this. The sanctioning of the taking of life. By the end of this homily, 30, 40, 50 babies will have been taken out. Think about it. So, publicly they won't say this, these candidates, okay? But instead they use crafty correcting political correct words like choice, reproductive rights, women's health care, therapeutic cloning, okay, taking the life of these children, sanitizing the reality of what abortion truly is and what it does, okay? So the angel of light, Lucifer, wolf in sheep's clothing, very deceptive. What about all the good all these candidates do? That doesn't justify the destruction of 3,000 babies a day. That would be like me saying, Hitler did a lot of good things, but he, he's killing a lot of Jews. Let's not talk about the Jews. Let's talk about the good things Hitler's done. Because people voted Hitler in. What I'm saying is, we got to be thinking about, this is not a battle against people. This is a battle against good and evil. This is a battle against Satan. This is a battle against all these children that God is asking us to love. If we put children at the top of the list, our world, our nation will be blessed. But we put the children at the bottom of the list. We don't value life anymore. We kind of just let it go, whatever, you know, abortion, it's an issue, yeah, whatever. You know, if I opened up, let me ask you this, if I opened up a clinic down the street here that dismembered baby puppies, how many people do you think would be protesting outside my building? How many helicopters would be flying above my building? How many police officers and animal activists would be lined up down Q Street? It wouldn't be accepted. But yet down the street in Bellevue, we have two abortion mills that dismember these babies. And how many people care? I'm not up here because I'm making a political statement. I'm up here because there are babies dying and it's not something that we might like to hear, but it's important for you and I to confront the truth and let it make you a little angry. Maybe you're getting a little mad right now. That's good because you know what? That's what we need. We need to get in touch. We need to stir up in us what God's asking us to do. What is God asking you to do? How's he asking you to live? Before I speak a little further on this, I want to talk about statistics. I know there's men and women in here that chose abortion. Okay, I just, I know that's true. There's men and women in the church here that chose abortion. Now listen, this isn't condemnation. I as a priest have taken the hands of many women that have had abortions. And in the confessional, they confess, Father, I had an abortion. And it's hard to confess that. Their baby in heaven's praying for you to make that confession, not to be afraid. It takes a lot of energy to carry that heaviness in you, as if it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. 
That was a life given to you that was taken. And God's saying, it's okay, I'll take you back. My mercy's bigger than your sin, Zacchaeus. My mercy's bigger than your sin, women and men. My, my mercy's bigger. I'm as guilty as you. We're all sinners. This isn't a pointing finger. This is, I'm guilty from abortion, meaning I didn't choose always to defend life. We're all guilty. But what are we going to do? Beat ourselves up and humdrum and drag our feet? Are we going to, as a church, rise up and say, no, I want to be a follower of Jesus and this is an area I need to grow in and ask him for healing. So I say to you, if you've had an abortion as a man or woman, if you've participated in any way, it's time to come home. We're not going to yell at you. We're not going to scream at you. Come to confession and experience the amazing mercy of God in this year of mercy. Don't be afraid. Come. Come to the heart of Jesus and don't be afraid. So... This term abortion, there are some, I don't know if you're here, but there are some that will say, you know, this, should, this, this kind of a homily doesn't belong in the church. And I would say, well, there are babies dying everywhere. Somebody has to talk about it. Because you know what? If I die and don't tell you the truth, guess who's responsible? Me. I've been called to be a priest and to tell you the truth. Sometimes it's going to burn. When you take your little boy or little girl and they scrape their arm and you pour peroxide on it, they're not like, oh, mommy, daddy, that was the greatest feeling ever. They scream. They cry. Did you ever hold a kid down getting a, a, a shot? They scream. Well, God's saying to you and I, I want to heal you. Don't run from me. Don't be afraid of the truth. It burns. I know it hurts. But I love you more than you love yourselves. And I will die for you as I died for you. Over and over, I would give my life for you. So I want you to think about this. It's not a political issue. It's a baby's <clears throat> heartbeat that we're talking about. And so many want to treat this as just one issue among many. <clears throat> and again, it's not one issue among many. If there was a shooting today that 3,000 babies were killed in a nursery, I guarantee you we wouldn't be just one issue among many. It would be an issue for months and years to go on the news, okay? So think about it. So, do you know which candidates and parties promote abortion and, ex and a plan to extend its availability and actually make you and I, with our tax dollars, pay for these babies to be aborted? Do you know which candidates or parties? Do you know? I just want to inform you. This is not an issue where we can be ignorant. Because if you know and you, if you don't know, I, I would highly say please don't vote because you're a danger. If you don't understand what's behind this, you, you need to realize the responsibility we have to protect the life of these most innocent children. And there are candidates in, these, in this election and, and parties as well that don't only want to make abortion legal and safe, they want to, no, it no longer needs to be rare. They're saying it should be all nine months. That means the baby's head is the only thing not delivered, and the baby is killed. It's called partial birth abortion. Not fun stuff to talk about, guys. I'd rather preach on something else, but this is love. This is what being a spiritual father, what a church is all about. The Catholic Church is not about, you know, uh, advertising so that we get more people. We're here because we want you to get to heaven. And that's not easy to be um, a prophet at times and to speak these things. I'm preaching to myself as I'm preaching to you. And so, again, ignorance is unacceptable when it costs millions and millions and millions of babies their lives today. So I don't want you to... Uh, 
again, take this lightly, as I'm sure you're not, and it is a challenge for all of us right now. Um, but I want to encourage you, um, as we continue Mass, to don't be afraid. And as a priest, I'm obligated to tell you, if you know which candidates choose to do this, and you still want to vote for those candidates, it's my obligation as a priest to tell you, you should not, until repentance, present yourselves for Holy Communion. And that's not coming from Father Michael, that's coming from the church. Because of the sensitivity and importance of the hierarchy of life issues. Okay? This is communion with Jesus. And if Jesus gives life, he only has one choice for us to make. Care for the life that I gave you. And all of us are guilty in different ways. But I want you to see this as a message of Jesus is saying, he's looking up at you right now in that tree where you're kind of hiding and you know you've done some things. And he's saying to all of us, hey, can I come to your house today and eat with you? And what does Jesus do? He eats with Zacchaeus. What's Zacchaeus' response? I'm going to give back four times the amount I gave, I took from all these people. Conversion comes out of the relationship with Jesus. You don't convert before the relationship with Jesus. You convert because of the relationship with Jesus. So I want to again encourage you to pray seriously and not pray for you. Um, Let's pray hard. We prayed on Friday. We had a big whole rosary for our nation and all the states and all the people. Let's pray hard for conversion of heart. This is about Jesus. This is about Christ. That's how we need to see things. And so pray about these things. Pray about some of the things. If you got a little upset or angry, I don't want you to see that as, oh, I'm not going back to that church again or that mass. Listen, don't run. Confront. Talk to me. I'd be glad to talk to you and sit down. I've had, believe me, I've had the bishop send me letters from people that sent him letters. And all he says is, Father, try to sit down with these people and talk to them and just try to build a relationship with them. And I've done that. Some were willing to sit down with me, some aren't. But I'm, I'm about relationship. I want to help. I want to grow. I'm not doing this because I want to make people feel like idiots. I love you. I'm a priest. I gave my life for you. And so please pray for me as I pray for you and as we journey together. And pray for the conversion of our government leadership. Pray. Pray hard. Because it's obviously a big, a big thing we got going with us right now. So God bless you. And thank you for listening.